Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Wildcast. After last weekend's cancellation late after we recorded, uh, which we always knew was going to be the case, uh, it was just a single game weekend for the Wildcats. So before we get into uh, Saturday's action with the Peterborough Phantoms, Tom, Joe, how are we both? Yeah, good. Um, as you say, one game to talk about, so should be um, a little quicker and also a bit more upbeat than last week, I'd have thought. <laughs> yeah, was a maximum point weekend, so you know we can't hide behind that one. Joe, how are you? I've had, I mean, I've had better weekends. Obviously, it's nice to see the Wildcats actually winning, as you say, two points out of a possible checks note two yeah. this weekend. Yeah, kind of offset getting home at four a.m. on Saturday night, Sunday morning after <laughs> after a game. This is the downside of not driving, folks. If you're relying on public transport and it decides, oh, I don't like rain. You get stuck with an eighty-pound Uber bill from Woking to Waterloo. <laughs> That's uh, there's just no way to hide behind that. That's just absolutely bonkers. Yeah, thank you, Maybe SWR. I will be claiming that back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't blame you at all. Um, yeah, so I guess just before we get into uh saturday let's just very briefly talk about what we couldn't talk about last week uh yeah the game on friday had been postponed uh actually going to be played this coming thursday so let's just kind of briefly touch on no let's go back to last weekend let's 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 talk saturday let's talk peterborough uh 5-2 big win at the link tom obviously we were both there what was your initial thoughts on the game yeah i mean it was obviously a significant improvement on the previous weekend um got the two points which is obviously the most important thing but it was also a pretty comprehensive routine victory um thought we played pretty well as a team um, i don't think there was any really standout negatives of the game um and yeah it was just a kind of gen- in general a really sort of comfortable display um obviously it was nice to see uh, a couple of guys who we'd mentioned hadn't been maybe they've been struggling for the points or struggling for the goals get on the score sheet obviously Thomas Malazinski getting his first two of the season Barrett Bacodzi getting his first of the season uh, Eddie Bedford's getting his first goal uh, competitive goal of the season to get one in pre-season but it was, yeah it was nice to see those guys kind of get going with the scoring um, and it was also just yeah nice to have a solid defensive display keeping Peterborough to 20 shots over the three periods but yeah all in all pretty positive night. I don't think it was a perfect performance. I think there's still a lot to improve on, but definitely hell of a lot more positive than, you know, back-to-back heavy defeats. Yeah, I think I said to you uh, maybe in the second period break, if you'd have said to me the Cats were going to score, well, the first Cats goal scorers of the night, which three were going to score three three goals, who are you picking? I think I probably would have picked the three that scored in that order of who I wanted to get the monkey off the back and Flying, so I think that was that was huge. I, were there slight concerns a little bit when we started nicely, got a couple of early chances, and then conceded on the first power play, uh, having done exactly the same as we did against Leeds the week before? I was yeah, there thinking, yeah, oh, it did feel like deja vu. It felt a bit there was a bit of certainly a bit of deja vu because we, I think, pretty much dominated the first kind of six seven minutes. I don't think people would really at any sort of zone time, um, we'd had loads of chances and yeah, we were kind of in control of the game. You take a penalty, I can't remember what the penalty was now, but you take a penalty and 
um, Luke Johnson, the curse of the former Wildcat, because he gets one in from close range and you're thinking, oh, here we go again. It's going to be another one of those nights where nothing goes quite right for us. But you then bounce back quickly, absolute blast from Thomas Malazinski. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it felt like he was getting a couple of weeks of frustration of not getting a goal out in that one shot. Um, Jordan Maher, I don't think was poorly positioned. I don't, just don't think he could have done anything about it. And I think from then on, I, I don't know, I felt a bit more confident from that moment. It just felt, okay, we're back at, we're back at it a bit now. I was going to say, I know Joe hasn't had a chance to see the highlights. So I don't think they've been released yet. But when you see them, Joe, that, that Thomas Malasinski first goal, I don't think I've ever seen someone hit a puck, puck so hard from about three metres. Uh, it was, he just put everything behind that. And like Tom said, Jordan Maher was kind of going post to post and did everything he possibly could. But that puck just ripped off that stick. There was a lovely Jordan Maher gift. Yeah, there was a lovely moment in the celebration where he paused and just let out an almighty roar as if to say, yes, I've done it. I've got the goal. Let, let, let's start the season now. Um, I always think that um, Jordan was also probably almost a bit lucky. He wasn't in the way of it because I think that puck could have really done some damage if it added him. So Yeah, he'd have gone yeah. back into the net with him. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So that, so that Mortal Kombat, did you see a puck-sized hole in his chest? As he gets? <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. really was. And yeah, it was it was huge for Thomas to. Um, I'm glad that that putt went in because that, yeah. that's a massive boost to him. And I thought he played really well actually. Obviously, I know he got man of the match, but um, it was was kind of good. I mean, I guess it's difficult to kind of kind of ask your thoughts, Joe. But you've seen you've seen a game sheet, so five two. Anything kind of jump off the page for yourself? I mean, the obvious one is in terms of defensive play. Um, when was the last time we only gave up twenty shots in a game? It's got to be crossover cup, maybe from five, six years ago now. I can't think of any time in the EPL or the National League last year that we gave we kept a team to only twenty shots. Yeah, I would have said probably maybe South won against a well, maybe not yeah, like Cardiff or something. Fire, Cardiff fire or... or something. That's probably the closest, but yeah, certainly it's not something that happens very often. Uh, it's not what, just generally. Across the league, you don't see too many games where teams are taking 20 shots a night. And that's it. And nearly half of those were the first period, weren't they? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, it was, I think it was eight in the first period, I think it was. Eight or nine in the first period. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously, I know you weren't at the game, Joe, but apart from that, what else grabbed your attention off that score sheet? Um, I mean, I'm going you know, to try and say positives for... Peter Brosley, yes, it's 5-2, it's a loss on what was, in the end, a bad weekend for them, but no Morgan Clark Pizzo, who from all accounts that everyone's put out online for the first two weeks is a real talent. So I think, obviously, they were missing him a great deal, and no disrespect to some of the Phantoms players, but there were, as you guys were telling me earlier, people playing on lines they probably shouldn't be anywhere near in real life. Yeah. Um, Wildcats, it's the first sign of obviously things somewhat returning to normality. Um, being clinical in front of net, actually taking chances in the first time in a couple of, in a week or so, actually winning a game, which is obviously what we said we needed. Um, it's interesting going into this week now. Um, we thought, obviously, we spoke obviously ahead of last weekend that 
it was important that we went through the rest of the card and win all the games. We were saying that when it was a two-game weekend followed by a two-game weekend, not three games in, was it, 70 hours, I think, the start for start times. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> not ideal. It, it's, it's definitely something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, looking, obviously, we said last week that with, you know, three losses from our first four competitive games, the rest of the Autumn Cup, we had one, we had to win probably all four to have a shot of going through, but also it was an opportunity to kind of hit reset on the season and get going again. Obviously, we've done that in one game, which is great, you know, like I say, another, again, a comfortable win. Um, but yeah, it makes it it makes it harder than having to do that on a three game weekend, um, two of which are away games on weeknights as well, which is just really not ideal. But going back to the, I mean, going back to Peterborough, uh, the Peterborough game for a moment. I think obviously it was great to see the Pogonsi Nell Malazinski line get going. They've you know done the hard work in the previous games without any kind of real reward. Um, obviously, good to see Eddie Beveris getting on the score sheet. It was a quieter night for Chris Jones and Emil Schweck, but I think they probably earned that, having kind of had to carry the offence a little bit for the first couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, it was nice to see see the defence kind of stand up and keep the shot count down, although, as we said, Peterborough were missing kind of a key offensive player, but can't take away from our defence. They've got they, they did their job. You know, if you can keep your shots down to 20 and score five goals, you're probably going to win. <laughs> Yeah, I think mean, that's fair. And I think um, the other thing to kind of say as well, I know he said that Thomas Malasinski had a good game, but he was, what, two centimetres away from a hat-trick? That puck yeah. came flying back yeah. off the post in the third period. And I think if that had gone, uh, like I said, two centimetres, I think to the left-hand side, it probably would have gone posting in or just gone flying into the back of the net. And yeah. that would have been awesome for him. Yeah, and we say Shrek had a you know, comparatively quiet game to his previous few, but even then, he almost scored two in the third as well. You know, he had a absolute rocket saved by Jordan Marr and one where he beat a defenseman and just got, you know, Marr just got a toe on it. Um, yeah, so, definitely, I think he was so, visibly frustrated and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but the guy just loves scoring goals and when you're, when you when everyone else is getting in on the action, you, you, want, you, you want one. Exactly. exactly. And it, oh, yeah, and on another night, you know, on another night, maybe you would have got one. Um, I think the other positive was we We've said it for we said kind of said it for a while that when the offense clicks, it's going to click, and we're going to have like a game where we have a bunch of goals, and we kind of had that. I think there was what two minutes five seconds or something between the second, third, and fourth goal. It was three very quick goals which kind of killed the contest. And again, that's the sort of luck we haven't had in the last few weeks where we haven't had those kind of quick goals, or where we have scored a goal, we then struggled it going, we've conceded down the other end. Um, so yeah, obviously that was a positive as well to kind of get some momentum in that second period and really take the game on. Yeah, I'm going to ask this one to both of you. Like, look, we've touched on the fact that we've got the triple header this weekend. Um, let's start at the back. We've got three games in, like Joe said, seventy odd hours. You've got two goalies. How are you splitting them? I mean, for me, I don't know what Joe's your this. I don't particularly have a preference of who takes which game but I would go whichever goalie starts on Thursday rests on Friday and starts Saturday that's how I would split it so you get you, you, you're getting each goal is getting two 
Oh, sorry. One goal is getting two starts. The other goal is getting one start. And the guy who's getting one start is getting the Basingstoke game on Friday. That would be my preference. That would be what I would do. I don't particularly have a preference of whether that's Skins getting two and Mar getting one or Mar getting two and Skins getting one. But yeah, that would be how I would roll my goalies. You get them, you give, you give, make sure all your goalies have rest and they're not playing two back to back games at kind of short, short notice. But that would be my preference. What about you, Joe? Uh, I think the way I would probably... I've, I've talked about this a few times, obviously, in the, since it was announced on Sunday. No, it was yesterday when we record, at the time of recording this. We, they, you have to split them. One of them is going to play the Thursday night, Milton Keynes. One's going to play Friday night in Basing. So, And I don't want to say almost the better performance gets the start on Saturday. Yeah. Because Dino obviously had the one game where against the Bees... Where uh, he uh, posted a, a very had a very good night. He didn't have such a great night the other week when he came in relief against the Steel Dogs. Rennie hasn't started as well as he usually would, and obviously Saturday was the first game that he's really looked like Rennie Marr again. Um, I think if if it were me, I'd personally be tempted to start. Dean on the Saturday as well and give Rennie only the one game this for this weekend. Mm. Not because of any other reason purely than it might just be a rocket at the backside to that Dean is here to push you. Dean is here to take starts off you. You have to be at your best to keep your job. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have a question for two of you. In terms of the two away games, Obviously, we know Dean Skins has recently played in Milton Keynes, but equally, he probably knows Basingstoke better than any netminder in the league, having played there for numerous spells over the years. Who are you starting in which game? Who are you giving which away game to? Assuming that we say best performance gets it on some, on Saturday. I'm just going to say, when we record these, uh, obviously, we know that we do this on a popular... Uh, uh, video conferencing software. Um, when we schedule these meetings, Tom usually rocks up slightly later than the rest of us, than, than Joe and I. It's almost like he was sat listening to Joe and I talk before he arrived today. This is the exact <laughs> conversation we were having. Um, for me, I think I lean to giving Dino Friday in Basingstoke. Um, weirdly, I don't know that's weird because Rennie usually plays well there. Yeah. Um, it's not one of his, not that he's got too many, but we should say weaker ranks. Um, I think the thing that I would do is, and I said this to Joe, I and I could be wrong here. Dino, I'm pretty sure, still lives in Basingstoke and is travelling to Swindon. And I think the fact that we're there on Friday, I don't know what he does on a day-to-day job, but he won't have a commute. Uh, yeah, he got to play. He's still assuming he would still work again. I, I don't know what he does, but he's not going to have a commute. And I think no one, there's probably no one in the league that knows that rink better than Dino does. Um, and I think, I think you play him Friday. I think you're right. And I think, I think Rennie gets Thursday. And yeah, to be fair, Joe, I probably agree with you. I think whichever one plays better gets Saturday. Uh, it will be interesting to see what position we're in come. Let's say eleven o'clock Friday night. We said we probably need to win out to go through in the cup. Um, 
if we haven't won both those games, that will have an impact on Saturday 100%. And if we have, then that will also have an impact. But I think you're right. I think you play the... You give them one each midweek and then you almost say to them, I think Wednesday or Thursday morning, you just kind of say, whoever plays best, boys, you get in Saturday and, and let them fight it out between them. I don't know about you, Joe. I'm... I, I don't think it particularly matters which way around you do it. I was just looking at the numbers while we were talking then. Uh, the last last season in the National League against Basingstoke, in Basingstoke, really was a three goals against average goalie and around a 900 save percentage. So you say it's one of his weaker rinks. He's actually pretty damn good in it. Um, I don't think it matters. I think obviously, yeah, you say the experience that Skins has playing in there obviously would probably benefit that one, but it's a complete toss-up really for who gets which game. It's just a case of maybe there is factors outside of hockey that decides player X has to start this one, player Y starts this one. And it, it will be a pleasant surprise for all of us. Obviously, we could all be having this conversation for no reason whatsoever. And Aaron might decide, right, someone's playing all three. We've got no clue. What's that. It's pure speculation at this point. I mean, obviously we do. This does kind of benefit. This is where the... We said it all along, you know, having two net minors even start is a huge benefit when you end up in a situation like this where the scheduling ends up with three games in three nights. This is exactly where, where that, that you know, second net minder who's a proven starter comes into play. You know, this is exactly the sort of situation we brought Dean Skins in for. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Aaron uses net minder. I remember the last time we had a situation where we played three and three nights, we had one net minder because I think that that was a couple of years, a few years ago now, and I think Stevie Lyle was on GB duty and Jordan Headley had to play all three. And obviously for a young netminder, that was hard work for him, particularly a young netminder who wasn't a starter at that level or at that time. Um, I don't know if you had Ben's looking at me. Oh, no, we have had one since, I think, actually, haven't we? No, what I was... I, Could we not play? Potentially we have. What I was going to say was... Did that weekend with when G- Stevie was on GB duty, did that not involve Milton Keynes away and Basingstoke away? Or have I completely dreamt that up? Yeah, yeah, it did. I yes, thought it was Basingstoke MK and then Basingstoke at home, I think. Home, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I think you are. We have played the um, yeah. headers, but since then, but yeah, it just suddenly clicked in my head that I was in both those rinks having a similar conversation. Yeah. I think um, we did what one. I can, I can say this as a fact because uh, Jordan Headley got the start in Milton Keynes and I had actually gone out when I was still living in Southampton and Ben, you actually messaged me and just said, do not mention the ice hockey. And I looked at why and it was about 6-1 and it was sort of like Headley had conceded six goals on about 15 shots and it was basically, don't mention Headley. Tom's angry enough as it is. It was it was one of those things. It was it was a real tough spot for Jordan to be thrown into because obviously he wasn't our starter that year. And then you're telling him to go in three and three nights. And let's be honest, Basingstoke and Milton Keynes were pretty pretty good in that that era. Yeah, they were the top team in the league that year. But, yeah, exactly. They were the top teams in the league, and we were telling the young netminder go out play three and three nights, and we got a depleted squad. And I think Thomas Malazinski was playing in the same qualifying tournament, so we were about him as well. So we were an import down, we were a netminder down, and yeah, it was just, it was a tough weekend. Um, obviously, having the benefit of Skins and Mar is going to help. We did, we have played three and three as well, obviously, since we played the two that involved the Autumn Cup final against Bayesian, so it were both Friday nights with Saturday games after. So that's some more recent experience, but 
um, yeah, that was that's the one that will always stick in my mind for a three and three. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And uh, Stevie was the late call up, wasn't he? Because uh, I think yeah. Murphy got injured or something. I remember. Yeah. Uh, I think I was interviewing Oldie the week before, and he kind of found out about ten minutes before I started clicking record on the interview, and it was like I'm not I'm not going to mention it because he's now thinking what we're we doing next weekend. But yeah, this this weekend three and three. Uh, going to be tough for the boys i don't know uh obviously we've still got another i'm gonna throw it to joe actually because we were talking what what kind of permutations are we looking at to get through in this uh in this autumn cup i know we were uh, we were talking earlier joe i know that i know the cats have pretty much got a win out but is that enough or, or are we holding on for something else as well here uh well so the the part that is obviously in the Wildcats' hands is every game is now game seven in the Stanley Cup. Um, something that Tom and most Maple Leafs fans will not know what they are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know what they are. I just don't know what, how to win them. <laughs> low blow, low blow. Um, yeah, the Wildcats have to win out just to give themselves a chance. Obviously, the Wildcats sit on four points. Max points with them would be on ten. Um, you're basically re- yeah. So. It's a case of winning out. Obviously, winning out immediately knocks Milton Keynes out with a win on Thursday. If they then go into the Friday night game against Basingstoke, a win will jump them, obviously, ahead of the Bison and give them the head-to-head factor should it come down to that. And then it is a case of you have to then go and complete the set by winning on Saturday against the Raiders. Uh, you're then all, So that would obviously leave the Wildcats on 10 points. Should that happen, you're then obviously relying on... Uh, either the Bison or the Tigers dropping another, I reckon, or at least dropping a point in one of those other two. Uh, the Bison, obviously, have the Wildcats and then play uh, the Bees Ice Hockey Club on Sunday and the Milton Keynes Lightning in a to-be-determined, rearranged possible double points game at the end of the month. Telford, you're relying on them playing the Bees on Saturday and then travelling to the Raiders on Sunday. Um, the Bison, so far, are unbeaten on the road. Played two, one, two. Uh, the Tigers have actually lost two of their three games at home, so it's it's a weird one at the moment. Um, obviously, the Lightning haven't played in the rink for ages for Thursday night, which is another caveat, and they are in a terrible run of it. It just we said obviously then we need to go through and win out. This Lightning game already feels like potential banana skin mode. A team that hasn't played at home in two weeks has only scored eight goals in four games. Everyone is already hitting the panic button and jumping off the Titanic and getting off the bandwagon, as we've seen on social media in the hockey forum this weekend. This just this Thursday night one is the game that worries me the most, if that makes sense, because it's this one where we're playing a team that is underperforming and is being slagged off by its own fan base. This is the, It feels like that game that they turn around and go, right, we're sticking eight on that thing tonight and there's nothing you can do to stop it. The flip side of that, the flip side of that discussion is, yeah, I think they're all going to be tough games. Like MK, we know we're going to be up for it. You know, they've had a rough start and they're going to be really up for it. Basingstoke is always a tough place to go, and they're good, they've got a solid side there. And then you've got the Raiders, who they've hit a bit of a bit of form to start the year. You know, they've won a couple. Um, they've taken Basingstoke to an overtime as well, I think, or they beat Basingstoke in overtime. They've had a couple of kind of, uh, you know, a big win as well at the weekend and. And they'll be coming fresh where we will all have two and two nights and we know they're the sort of team that they can they can score for fun. 
Defensively, maybe not always the best, as we saw in Leeds on Sunday, but they can score for fun. And against a tired team, that we've seen it at the link before, they can really do damage if you're not on it. And if you're a bit kind of slow to get going, they can take a game away from you. And I think all three games are going to be tough in their own way. Um, but we can do our bit. If we if we win all, all three, then it gives us a chance. If we don't, then we're out of it. But we just need to do our best to get the form, to get a couple, at least at least a couple of wins for the form, if, if nothing else. Yeah. And the thing that neither of you mentioned with regards to Thursday night is Liam Stewart's back, which is going to be uh, a huge for, for the Lightning. Um, Joe, let's go around the league. What happened last weekend? So last weekend, let's start off Saturday night in Romford. Raiders Ice Hockey Club 6, Bees Ice Hockey Club 3. Uh, two goals from the returning Rio Grinnell Park for the Raiders as he came back from injury. Uh, basically just a complete performance on the night from the Raiders and Ethan James in goal, 37 saves. It was the Wildcats and Peterborough game we've already spoken about. Basically, so Bison won, Leeds Knights 3. The Leeds go on the road and stay unbeaten. Thanks to goals from Kieran Brown, Cole Shudra, Brandon Whistle. Stop me if you've heard that one before this year so far. Sam Gospel, 34 saves, a 9-7-1 save percentage on the Knights. Finally, on Saturday, Telford Tigers 3, Sheffield Steel Dogs 6. Uh, I don't want to say a shock, shock victory for Sheffield because they did it in the streaming series. The manner of this one, though, possibly the shocking part of it, after being 3-1 down, they score five unanswered, including an empty net goal to win 6-3. Two goals from Lee Bonner being the standout there and everyone's favourite goalie, Dimitri Zanolstra, 31 saves and a 9-1-8. It's impossible not to love him. Uh, the Sunday, the Steel Dogs then go home to play the Basis of Bison and lose 4-3. The Bison going on the road and winning, staying unbeaten on the road. It's a weird one. Bison have now won in Sheffield and in Telford. Two of the teams that are notoriously difficult to go and beat in their own barn on long trips. Uh, two short-handed goals for the Bison in this one. One from Ashley Tate and a game winner from Ryan Sutton, of all players, being finishing the game off for the Bison there. As my laptop packs in for briefly. Bees Ice Hockey Clubs 3, Milton Keynes Lightning 1. The Lightning get their first game of the weekend and their only one. And they go to Slough and fall. Two goals from, again, the likeliest of scorers you'll ever see. James Galazzi deciding that the gloves work better when they're on his hands and on a stick and putting them in the back of the net. They roll out the 3-1 win. Curtis Warburton, 25 saves on the night, 9.62 save percentage. Peterborough Phantoms, their weekend went from bad to worse as they were lost at home 6-3 to the Telford Tigers. Uh, goals all around the board for Telford in this one. Austin Mitchell-King, Jonathan Weather, Jason Silverthorne, Sam Watkins, Finley House and Andy McKinney. Jonathan Wheeler, nine points in six games at the age of 312, I think it is. The man just won't stop. Uh, Peterborough, again, coming in, short bench, no Morgan Clark Pizzo. Goals from Glenn Billing, Alice Padlock and Nathan Pollard. Um, just not a fun weekend if you're a Phantoms fan. And Tom briefly alluded to it. Leeds Knights 10, the Raiders Ice Hockey Club 4, the first double digit on the board this year. And of course, it's on the Raiders. It's always on the Raiders. Uh, hat trick for Ethan Hehir, Hehir, whichever way you want to pronounce it. And goals from Sam Zajak, Kieran Brown, Cole Shudra, and two each for Brandon Whistle and Adam Barnes. Kieran Brown also getting chucked out in this one. Five plus game for interference with nine minutes to go. 
that must have been a hit. Uh, don't know what happened there, but obviously the scoreboard doesn't lie. Goals to the Raiders, Jake Sylvester, JJ Pitchley, Aaron Connolly and Eric Piatak. Brad Windebank, the poor soul that got left out there to be barbecued for the entire evening. Ten goals on 43 shots, a 7-6-7 save percentage. And that's it for the Autumn Cup this week. In news terms, obviously, what we uh, touched on last weekend with our good friend Andre Deniskin and his racist gesture in the Ukrainian Hockey League. After we finished recording, the punishment came out. And yeah, that was a thing, wasn't it? (laughs) Apparently, if you play in the Ukrainian Hockey League and you make a a gesture that involves peeling and eating a banana at an African-American gentleman, that gets you a three-game ban. Well, I, I should say it's a 13-game ban, but you can pay a near £2,000 fine and it becomes only three games. For context, as Ben said earlier, Liam Stewart is back on Thursday night. He received a six-game ban for saying some rather fruity words to a referee in New Zealand. So we're now at the point where calling a referee a name is worse than being a complete racist. What a world we live in. <laughs> what I was going to say, and that's the roundup. Um, yeah, that uh, yeah that 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 was a thing. Um, I can only hope that the the international suspension on on said player is going to be a lot more than that. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to waste my time talking about it because it's just rubbish, to be honest. Um, yeah, Leeds. What a what a result that is. Um, Ten four, huge. Yeah, they've been in great form, and we saw we saw ourselves, but. They're obviously, they're still unbeaten in the autumn, autumn Cup and they're scoring goals for fun. And I've got to say, that is cruel and unusual punishment on Brad, Brad Winderbank. Um, and his defence are in quite a few points there, having left him out to dry for 10 goals. Um, a young netminder there with a lot of talent, who I think got the win in Basingstoke as well. Yes. I think he played that game and they got got the win in overtime. So he's clearly a talented young goalie. We know he's he's had his injury problems over the last couple of years and then COVID's come in and slowed down his return. But yeah, that is that is that is cruel for his for his, for his defense to um, leave him out there for ten against. Um yeah, yeah. they owe they owe, they owe him a drink or two there, I think. I must admit, obviously the game sheet for that one was uploaded quite late, I understand, and I hadn't had chance to see it, so I didn't realise they hadn't changed the netminders. That's um, that's tough for, for young Brad, that really is. Obviously, if uh, we just played the Devils Africa here, we said obviously the Knights were starting well. Uh, 32 goals in five games, they've only been held to less than five goals on one occasion, and that was in Basingstoke on the Saturday night. And the combination of Kieran Brown, Brandon Whistle and Cole Schroeder, I said, stop me if you've heard this one before of them scoring goals, have combined for 39 points in five games. 19 goals, 20 assists. I also just want to say, I could be wrong, I'm just double-checking this on the game sheet myself. They did it without Matty Davies. Yeah, he wasn't playing it. <laughs> they, they scored kind of young Max Stewart, uh, who I think is a 16-year-old, 17-year-old Dundee prospect, played and got three assists. Um, presumably taking Davies' spot on that line. But yeah, they did it without a um, player as good as Matty Davies and they still put up double figures and they're still scoring for fun. So it shows how much ability that team has offensively. Um, The other thing as well you're saying is like, we've said it all through pre-season, you looked at that Raiders team and their defence is 
prone to this kind of performance. Yeah. They like nothing has changed there. It's still car crash hockey. They're going to score goals, but they are also going to concede tons. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also for the Raiders, just just a random one. Good to see um, guys like from all accounts, guys like Tommy Huggett getting decent ice time there. Um, and yeah, that's that's something at least that is a definite positive. And they have got two young guys splitting the net, so you've got to give them credit for what they do. But yeah, defensively, they need to they need to find a way to tighten it up because they're going to get wins, but you can't get be getting beaten like that too often it's going to really hurt the confidence of that locker room i did uh, watch a quick interview with uh, sean easton the other day actually i don't think it's necessarily the only reason and it's really not the only reason but it can't be helping that they're missing um dan scott at the back end at the moment yeah uh, he's a big, huge, huge player for them uh, and i think lucas sladkowski as well i don't think i think he said in the interview yeah both were in either uh, race. Uh, Sladkowski, I believe I saw in the local press over here, because obviously we get it, uh, went back home and has had surgery on his wrist and is back in about two weeks, I think it says from now. Was that the injury he picked? I, he hasn't played at all in the, in the cup. Yeah, he, got, he got slashed in the wrist. And, slash, yeah, 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 and he took a slash in the preseason and hasn't come back, which is a, it's a tough loss to lose. You know, A guy who maybe isn't one of the standout imports in the league, but it's still a pretty solid player. And, you know, he's a, he's a guy, we, we saw it last year at times, knows how to put the puck in the net. So he's a guy that they'll definitely want back as soon as they can get him. Yeah, 100%. Before I throw the mic your way, Tom, uh, either of you got anything else to, uh, to say before we wrap up this relatively shorter episode? No, I think obviously we've got the fun thing to uh, release next week, though. Yes, next week we are 100% going to be dropping our uh, our fantasy game. F- fantasy game, we'll have rules, we'll have everything like that, and we'll even have a forfeit for us three for the loser of our fantasy <laughs> league. We have. And as you can tell by the nervous laughter from Ben and Tom, they love it. Yeah, we're all, we're all desperately going to be trying not to lose that. Yes. Um, but go- that is going to be announced next week, so stay tuned for that one. Yeah. Shall we? Is that everything? Are you ready, Tom? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. It's going to be the when you're going to have all your... Drum roll, please. Drum roll for it. So, three-game weekend, obviously, for the Swindon Wildcats, the Bespoke Guardian Swindon Wildcats this weekend. So, starting on Thursday night with an 8pm face-off in the newly relayed Planet Ice Milton Keynes against the Lightning. Um, As an 8pm face-off, probably going to be streamed that one I should I haven't seen any confirmation but they usually do so get your tickets streaming tickets there Friday we are in Basingstoke to take on the Bison uh 7:30 p.m face-off at the um, Basingstoke arena that won't be streamed so make sure to get your tickets if you're um if you're intending to go that and obviously be aware that the away block is smaller than it used to be by all accounts um, or appears to be smaller based on their ticketing website and then Saturday we return home for the third game in our three night um, extravaganza I suppose of autumn cup hockey 6.30pm face off at the link versus the Raiders Wildcats website for your tickets streaming tickets etc etc and the supports club player of the month will be being announced after that game so stick around for that and voting on that is open until Thursday if you haven't already voted although Having said that, I now 
occurs to me this may be released after the voting is closed anyway. It will not be. Ben is shaking his head. So there you go. Get your votes. Get your votes in for Player of the Month. Great, great for audio that Ben. Is it? Shakes head. I was about <laughs> to say uh, that I have every intention to get this out um, before before Thursday. So yeah, you okay. should still be able to vote unless something has gone catastrophically wrong. And if it has and you can't vote. I'm sorry, I'll hold my hand up. And if that's also the case, guys, I'll put 50p in the pot. Um, there we go. Tom, I, I think you did that. Uh, I think you don't think you made a mistake. It's, it's, it's the best one he's done so far. Yeah, maybe. Perfect. I would Learning. say maybe we should have triple headers more often, but I, I really don't think we should. Um, he thrives under pressure. <laughs> yes, he does. I don't think, I don't, I don't think the players um, would appreciate too many triple headers. No, I don't, I don't think the boys will be a fan of that. But yeah, uh, next week's episode potentially will be slightly longer because we've got three games to talk about, not just two. Uh, and we've also... We're all little three! We are all going. Yeah. And we've also got the, the fancy game we're going to be launching as well. So yeah, uh, shorter episode this week, but longer episode next week. Tom, Joe, thank you both for joining again. Uh, and yeah, last thing from me, unless there's anything from you guys... Just to everyone out there, enjoy the hockey this weekend. There's plenty of it, so um, <laughs> yeah. enjoy it, and we'll see you next week.